Welcome back to the greatest fantasy football podcast you've ever listened to. My name's Sean. Hey, you know it's Duke over here. What's going on, folks? I love you, and I hope you guys are still in playoff contention. And if you aren't, it's probably because you didn't take the serious the serious advice that we gave you here on fantasy football with Gumbo. Um, cheers to you guys, and wherever you are in your journey, this is the year that we're going to cash with Shiva. And I want to go ahead and give a shout out to my boy Dugo um, for holding tough with uh, Lamar Jackson and Zay Flowers of the Baltimore Ravens so far this year. Yeah, um, they are going to be playing on Thursday night against the Bengals. But last week in one of my different leagues I play in, uh, Lamar Jackson didn't have, I guess, the greatest game of his history, but he did enough to help me get a win. And moving forward, I kind of don't know what to think of him because I think there's upside because, you know, he's a great rusher. Uh, but going into week 11 with him playing the Bengals and the Bengals having an under-the-radar kind of good defense, I'm in a mix as to whether or not I start him or a guy like Kyler Murray. Uh, so, Dugo, let me pose this question to you. Week 11, Ravens versus Bengals, Lamar Jackson. Is he a startable quarterback, especially on a short week? Or would you rather start another option such as a Kyler Murray, such as a Will Levis? Um, or even a guy like Josh Dobbs for the Minnesota Vikings? Well, man, if you ask me personally, I would say you got to start your boy Lamar Jackson, Action Jackson. Yep. This has been our guy since day one, folks. This is who we said at the beginning of the year should be and probably still is in the MVP run for the NFL. QB5 on the year. I'm just saying, dog, the team that we just saw this past week played a – very great defense, very underrated defense in the Cleveland Browns. Probably not underrated, but just underappreciated. Let's just say that because I believe they are among the top defenses in the NFL. Yes, they are. So going into this week against the Bengals, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say that we got to start Action Jackson. Okay. I'm just briefly, I went back and I looked at the past two years history against what he's done against the Bengals. And in the past two years, he's only played them once. The uh, In 2021, I believe he ended up with 25 points against them. And then in 2022, it was a uh, week five matchup, and he ended up with 16 points with uh, against them. But obviously, you know, like you can't really necessarily compare those two, if I'm going to be completely honest, uh, just because those aren't, you know, like those weren't the same offense. Now, if you look at what he did this year, week two against the Bengals, 26.8 points in this new offense. So, obviously, the Bengals were not great. Let's just say that um, at the beginning of the season. So, maybe the Ravens took a little bit of an advantage of that. But what I will say is I don't think that it's going to change much. And if you can get 26 points out of a quarterback – I would take that every single time. So 100%. I'm going a, I'm to a stand with my boy Lamar Jackson. And with that, I just feel like you got to stand with uh, my boy Zay Flowers. I mean, it, it's a stack that it's going to pay dividends soon, folks. I feel like we just got to keep steady with it. Uh, let me ask you about the running back situation back there because Keaton Mitchell has been going crazy the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And Gus Edwards has been holding it down more so near the goal line. But yep. on the season, Gus Edwards is RB13. Yep. Uh, moving forward, though, I mean, Keaton Mitchell, Gus Edwards, who are you buying into? And, like, I don't think Keaton Mitchell should be available on y'all waivers, like, at this point in the season. If he is, you got to go out there and get him. There's no excuse moving forward. But uh, between those two, I mean, do you see Keaton Mitchell beating out Gus Edwards for the lead back, you know, in that offense? Or is that something Gus can, you know, potentially uh, push him off of because of his size in the goal line and uh, in the red zone? Well, I think that at the end of the day, it's going to be Gus Edwards as the one. And I think that Keaton Mitchell is going to just be sl- like just slowly behind as the two. Like, I think you could probably mm-hmm. look at it as as far as like a touch ratio probably close to like 65 edward uh 35 mitchell i would assume um and maybe even different from that too we could be looking at even closer to like a 60 40 um i just feel like like you alluded to uh with the back or with the red zone carries i just think that those hold a lot of weight and i feel like one thing that the ravens are trying to just 
emphasize this year uh, with, you know, Lamar Jackson's uh, with that huge deal is when they're in the red zone, if they are going to rush him, it's going to be in an opportunity where he's not going to get hard. And if he is going to get hard, it's going to be very, he, he, you know, like it's not going to be like a huge hit. So Wait, if he's going to get hard, no, if he's going to get hit hard, Oh <laughs> no, if he's going to get hit, he's not going to get hit hard. Okay. No. Word. So that's what I'm saying. So like, if you have like, <laughs> you know, like if you have to get those, uh, you know, like those gritty yards, like I can just hand it off to this gut Gus Edwards guy who I have not a lot of you know like money invested into, but he's a six one running back two thirty three frame, so he can get some of those dirty yards when I need it. So that's all I'm saying, man. I mean, sometimes you need those dirty yards, and you know Gus Edwards is somebody who can go in there and. I say all um, I say though, like I think that Gus Edwards is probably the play, but. I mean, I keep seeing that Keaton Mitchell's role could be increasing. So if you were to go with them, I don't think that you would see too much of a decrease if you were to go from Gus Edwards to Keaton Mitchell going forward. Yeah, I think Gus Edwards could burst to be the cream of the crop. But, you know, what I'm saying if Keaton Mitchell is going to go ahead and, you know, bust off for some uh, big plays through those holes, you know, Keaton Mitchell could be somebody that you would want to keep on your roster because ultimately he's going to serve you do. Yeah. And he's going to, you know, come through and uh, really make you feel good. So, yeah, I mean, you said he's about uh, RB 13 right now. I'd assume with the increased role of Keaton Mitchell, he probably ends up uh, end of the year around RB 22, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Yep. Uh, T. Higgins sounds like he's going to miss this game on Thursday night. Yeah. This is going to be his second game missed with a uh, looks like it was a practice injury. Yeah. Hamstring pa- practice injury that's going to lead to a multi week absence. Do you think that this is just going to be another Jamar Chase heavy target game? Or is this a game in which they, you know, integrate like a uh, Tanner Hudson, Irv Smith, Joe Mixon? Tyler Boyd, Trent Irwin, and all those supporting cast characters. Yeah, man. So I think that you can definitely see a big target share this week for Jamar Chase again. Uh, honestly, I was surprised that he was able to go last weekend. I was happy he did because I played him, and he got me like 20 or so points, still, which was amazing. Um, but I'm going to say that it's going to be a big uh, Jamar Chase week again. I mean, that's why they got him there. But I'm going to be honest. I think that you could still see some large production out of Tyler Boyd and Trent Trenton Irwin as well. Uh, you know, right now, Trent Irwin isn't owned in many leagues. Uh, so I believe that you could go out in, uh, in you know, <clears throat> in those waivers and grab him. I, I think that that would be a, a terrific pull, especially for this week against the Ravens. Uh, they have a pretty decent secondary, but they do seem to give up points when they need to shut down. So let's go, uh, let's go against that and let's go with, uh, you know, some Trent Irwin stack this week, folks. Okay. And Trent Irwin did get a touchdown last week. Do I think that's sustainable? Likely not. I could see him having a few receptions, but touchdowns are, you know, they're hard to predict. And I think Trent Irwin probably falls within, you know, five to 10 points if you're playing half PPR this week. Uh, moving forward, though, there's another game in the Cowboys and the Panthers. Cowboys just had a big game against the Giants who suck. And this week they play the Panthers who suck. And Brandon Cooks was a guy who had an explosive performance to go. Yeah. Uh, nine for 10 receptions, 174 yards. He had a touchdown. If you guys don't follow us on YouTube, we actually made a uh, short clip about Brandon Cooks and what we think he could do rest of the season compared to a guy like Michael Gallup. Okay. But I want to ask you, between Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks, who do you uh, have the most face? The most faith in, I guess, moving forward rest of the season. Brandon Cooks, uh, by a long shot. Okay. I, I definitely think that it's been one of those things that they've been trying to integrate this guy for a while. Now they finally did it. Finally. So uh yeah, I wanna I wanna take Brandon Cooks, man. Like he's available in a lot of week in a lot of leagues as well. So if you have the opportunity to go grab him in some of your uh waivers, go and grab him, folks. I mean if anything, he's going to be sitting in your bench and someone, and at least not in your opponent's uh, starting lineup against you when a week like this happens again. Another guy you got to keep an eye out on is uh, Dak Prescott. Yeah, dude, you were an idiot for drafting this motherfucker. In our home league, I drafted Dak Prescott thinking he was going to do great. And you know what I'm saying? In the first three weeks, he, no, in the first five weeks of the season, he never put up more than 20 points. And that's my quarterback. 
Like, that's the guy who's supposed to score points. And he didn't do that for a month and a week. So I dropped him. Now he's going off, and he's proving me wrong. Maybe it was just my bad juju, but the last three weeks, Dak Prescott has scored over 28 fantasy points, and the next three weeks, he gets the Carolina Panthers, the Washington Commanders, and the Seattle Seahawks. So it sounds like he could have big games in all three of those games. Yeah, He's QB6 right now in the season. I think he easily finishes as a top-10 quarterback, and he might even creep into that QB5 territory, assuming that, you know, uh, some of those games get close. Tony Pollard continues to struggle. And when it comes to Tony Pollard, is he somebody that you're looking to sell if you own him? Because right now he's not looking great. And I don't think he's had a touchdown since week one of the NFL season do go. I mean, realistically, I probably put first or second round capital into this get. So unless I'm able to get something huge in return and, you know, someone just sees, you know, sees the name and, you know, goes off rip about it and just says, oh, shoot, I need a running back. Yeah. Give me this guy. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's much that I would really want to sell him for at this moment. I mean, just because, like I said, in uh sheer, you know, like what I draft is for guy situation, I just feel like there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, you just named three teams that this guy could run over. So, I mean, I, I think that you're, I, I think you might be onto something, especially when it comes to the playoffs where he has to, I'm not sure if he needs or where, if they need to play the Eagles again or not. I'm not sure exactly what the game log is. Uh, so, yeah, they have to play the Eagles, uh, Bills Mafia, Dolphins, and then the Detroit Lions pretty much in the playoff run. I don't love that. So, I mean, this first uh, three-week run, you know, like that might be pretty nice for points. But, obviously, you have trade deadlines coming up and everything. Let's say, yeah, let's let's sell them if you can, if you can get some good volume for them. But, obviously, don't sell them for nothing short than what he's worth. In that game between the Panthers and the Cowboys, you're going to have two running backs who haven't really served their purpose this year. Uh, the first one's going to be Miles Sanders on the Panthers, who is now objectively, I mean, I think he's benched to go against uh, someone like uh, Chuba Hubbard. I, I think Chuba Hubbard beat him out for the RB1 spot. Miles Sanders is someone who signed a four-year contract with Carolina, and he still can't get on the field. He's been disappointing. But Tony Pollard's been even more disappointing if you spend first round draft capital on him. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people put a lot of draft cap into Miles Sanders. I mean, in the league that we're talking about right now, uh, our boy Sammy, he uh, drafted him four twelve. Sammy making a comeback right now. Yeah, but I mean, not with not with Miles Sanders. Let's just say that. But uh, yeah, man, I think. Obviously, he hasn't been completely benched because he's still getting about 38% snap share. But uh, compared to, you know, Chuba Hubbard, who, you know, he has definitely overtaken that running back role. I mean, he's 60, 50% clip each time. I, uh, yeah, man, I would definitely try to sell Miles Sanders if you still can and uh, get your hands on some Chuba Hubbard stock. Chuba Hubbard. Chuba. Uh, Thomas Brown. New coordinator there. We told you about three weeks ago he was going to implement a lot more running game. Sure. We hit on that. Yeah. And I'm telling you that Tony Pollard right now is a problem. I do think that he resurges and he has kind of a bounce back game. Hold but, up, hold up. Break that down for me quick because that's two different teams that you're talking about right quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll recap. So, I'll recap. I'll recap. I right, appreciate you. Miles Sanders will continue to suck. Don't buy Miles Sanders. But Tony Pollard. On the Cowboys, a team that wins a lot of games and they've been getting ahead of a lot of bad teams. Yep. Pollard's going to continue to get his opportunities. You know, maybe I don't want to be that guy, but, you know, a guy like McCarthy, someone who can, you know, like he can say that pretty much every bad team that they've played against, they've blown out. That's you fair. Know, like, what if he just says, I want to have a different philosophy change and he tries to just stuff the ball down the throat of the opponent coming forward? You know, to try to implement that round, that run game, you know, because if you can get on paper that they're running at 35 or so times a game, like, you have to account for it, right? Yeah, I agree. So, like, if they can do that the next few games, and then obviously once it comes to, like we said, Bills, Mafia, Eagles, and uh, I forgot the last team that they have to play, but, um, you know, like, those are some stellar defenses that you need to establish the run and the, obviously, you know, run the pass against those teams. So I would like to see that. So I don't want to, I don't want to say sell Tony Pollard, but at, at some point you might, like I said, if, if you can get some good cap for him at this point, if you can get, uh, 
like a D Henny or something at this point, I'd say go ahead. I agree. And quick question, moving forward, who yeah. would you rather have between Tony Pollard and Najee Harris? Tony Pollard. Okay. And I asked you that question because Najee Harris plays the Cleveland Browns this week, and that's been a pretty good defense this year. Dog, we just talked about how the Browns is ramshack the the Ravens. Yeah. What if the Browns ramshack the Steelers who don't have an offense? I think it's probably going to happen, man. But if there's one person in this offense that I am going to start this week is Jalen Warren. Over Najee Harris, if you had to pick between the two? Yeah. For fantasy, you would take Jalen Warren over Najee Harris? Yeah, just because, I mean, if you look at that offensive line or that defensive line for the Browns, I mean, just running through the tackles is just so hard for them. So if that's going to happen, if you're, you know, like if I'm Matt Canada, I'm obviously going to be probably more shotgun situations. And in in those situations, like we've seen, it's typically been more Jalen Warren. I can get Jalen Warren out on more screen passes, on more slings passes. You know, like, he, he can actually go run a route rather than Najee Harris, who can basically only run straight. So, uh, yeah, man, I like Jalen Warren, especially when you have to kind of open up this Browns defense a little bit. So The snap share has been pretty damn close the last couple of weeks between Jalen Warren and Najee. So Najee has definitely carried the ball more than Jalen Warren has on the ground, which is Najee's specialty is, you know what I'm saying, on the ground, through the tackle, down the field. But Jalen Warren is so explosive that he sometimes can do more with fewer opportunities. And I think we're going to see a switch, folks. Like, at some point, like a team that is, I believe they're 6-3 and three right now, somehow, some way. Yep. I think they're gonna, they have to run with the horse that's given them the best results, and that's Jalen Warren more times than not. So I think that we might see him as a starter at some point this season, guys. So the Steelers right now, if you compare Jalen Warren the last two weeks, and if you compare Najee Harris the last two weeks, they are respectively RB11 and RB12 in fantasy football. So one of the Steelers running backs is RB11 and the other one is RB12. And Najee Harris has finished RB11 the last two weeks, while Jalen Warren has finished his RB8 and RB15 the last two weeks. Not terrible. Not terrible, man. They both are producing. They're good at what they do. And the Steelers have been leaning more so on that run game. They see Kenny Pickett only has 13 touchdowns through the first 10 weeks. That's not great. And they've kind of just dedicated themselves to running the ball hard. Does that hurt George Pickens uh, moving forward, especially in an offense that's starting to integrate, you know, Deontay Johnson a little bit more? Uh, Possibly. I mean, to an extent, you could say that. But I would also say that it might open up more deep shots down the field for George Pickens where he's able to go moss some guys. Uh, could definitely open up some possibilities for that as well. Uh, I don't think that we ever saw Pickens as like a 15 catch kind of guy. Uh, I think that we just know how explosive he is. If he can get around eight or so, he's going to be just as deadly as uh, Deontay Johnson who can get 15 a game. Um, so let me just go with that. I, I think that George Pickens probably sees a little bit of a downslide, but still definitely a flex play. Unfortunately, he probably won't be the guy that we thought he was going to be this year. Yeah, last week he finished his wide receiver 45, and the week before that he was wide receiver 106. Now, we got a couple peak games this year against the Baltimore Ravens and, you know, the Cleveland Browns, who he plays again this week. The last game he had against Cleveland was week two, where he finished as wide receiver six on the week, and he had four catches on 10 targets, which Yo, is not great. Let me let me suggest a trade for you. So this is just like NFL trade, right? What if the Bills traded Stephon Diggs to the Steelers for George Pickens? No. Why do you say no? Because you're trading one emotional receiver for another emotional receiver. And the emotional receiver you're trading is way better than the other emotional receiver you're getting. Obviously, you'd throw cap whichever way, but still. No. I'm not unless I'm getting draft picks with it. Right. That's what like I'm if I get. Cap, yeah. If I get George Pickens in a first or a second, then yeah, I'd do it. I don't know. I don't know if you get a first as well. That's a second? Kind of, I, I doubt it. If I'm not getting a second, I'm not doing know. that trade. No. No. Interesting. Okay. No. Go ahead with what you're saying, though. My bad. George Pickens, week two, last time he played the Cleveland Browns, he had four receptions on 10 targets, which is not great. That's a 40% catch rate. But he happened to catch a touchdown that week. Yeah. And the weeks in which he catches a touchdown are the weeks in, you know, you can typically expect him to spike. 
Uh, the weeks in which he has a touchdown, which is week two against the Browns, week five against the Baltimore Ravens, and week seven against the Rams, he respectively finished as wide receiver six, wide receiver four, and wide receiver 17. If he gets a touchdown again this week against Cleveland, if he goes out there and plays some bully ball. I think he, it could happen. If he gets a touchdown, he's a top 20 receiver. But if he doesn't, it, like he's he's pretty bad. Like his best performance outside of a week in which he caught a touchdown was week eight against the Jaguars in which he was wide receiver 36 and he scored, you know, eight points. Right. So it's one of those things where he kind of needs to score. And uh, Deontay Johnson, his running mate, he's been doing pretty good. He's been doing all right. And uh, two weeks ago, he finished his wide receiver six. The last three weeks, he's seen a total of 27 targets in which he's caught, you know, 12 of them. That's also not great. The passing offense isn't great. I'm not really willing to start any of these guys in my starting wide receiver matchups. If I have George Pickens or Deontay Johnson, preferably moving forward, they're just really nice flex options if I can afford it. Yeah, I'd probably say that's about fair, yeah. Uh, Deshaun Watson, are we starting him next week? If you have to start him, if you have him on your team in a 12-team league and you got other guys on a bye? Yeah, definitely start Watson, I'd say. I mean, like, this Steelers defense has been pretty good, but, I mean, that, that Browns offense just keeps seeming to get better and better each week that he plays, so... I would like to see. I would like to say that I would start Deshaun Watson if I had drafted him, and if he's on my team for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good to know. And I guess moving off of uh, the Browns because they don't really got nobody else I care about. Yeah, I mean, I would just say that you know Jerome Ford's a lock this week. Uh, Amari Cooper for sure, and then taking a step back to the Steelers, Pat Fryermuth seems to be back from IR, I believe. So. Uh, go ahead and look to possibly pick him up in a lot of those leagues that people dropped him. Uh, might be able to pick up a free tight end one. Ladies and gentlemen, Arizona Cardinals, number one quarterback, born August 7th, 1997. Standing at 5'10", 207 pounds, Kyler Murray. Yo, you got to stop doing too much. QB1. QB1 for the Cardinals do go. I've been holding him on my roster for the last 10 weeks. He started. He looked good. And he was mobile. Quarterback 13 last week. Moving forward, this week I think he plays... Houston, who has been pretty, pretty good. He's a mobile guy. He looks the same way he looked last year. Obviously, just kind of week one getting accustomed. Uh, moving forward, rest of the season, is he a top 10 quarterback for you? Mm, probably not top 10, no. Tell me why, and I'm really interested to hear why. Uh, just because, I mean, other than his rushing ability, uh, I don't necessarily think that there's a shit ton of targets on the team that are going to take him over the edge. Um, I also think that he makes a lot of mistakes as well. So uh, I think around quarterback 13 or so is around where I would put him, kind of like where he landed this week. Um, I don't know, that's just kind of where I have him. I mean... He was going against the Falcons, who aren't the best defense. I mean, it's, it's a decent defense, but mm-hmm. definitely not the best by all accounts. And uh, especially with a bye week coming up as well, I don't think that he'll be able to be a quintessential uh, QB 10 going forward. Yeah, that's fair. I think that this team is going to see a lot more zone defense because they are a West Coast offense that specializes in getting, you know, just intermediate completions, easy completions. Last season, Kyler Murray was the third best quarterback against zone. This year, I think Kyler Murray still has his mobility, which is important. And so when they have, you know, five to six linemen out there on the field, I think that he's going to be able to go ahead and scramble out. He's going to be able to hit deep play actions. Trey McBride. Trey McBride is somebody we talked about last week. Yeah. I always give you credit when it's due, and you told me Trey McBride was going to be somebody to look out for moving forward. Yeah. I even think I said I would take Zach Ertz over Trey McBride. Yeah. He had a really great game. He's the first receiver on the Arizona Cardinals in, I think, the last 34 years to have over 100 yards. Trey McBride moving forward, man, like in redraft, what is he? I mean, he's among my tight end, or he's among the top of my tight ends, man. I mean, especially with the sheer fact that he pretty much saw zero drop-off from Josh Dobbs to Kyler Murray. I mean, it just means that he's a part of that offense. Uh, One thing I will say, though, about the stats about the man defense or the man zone defense, 
Um, I think that last year they probably had to play a lot more zone because they had D-Hop on that team. So I feel like because they just have Hollywood Brown, Michael Wilson, you named it, uh, Trey McBride, and uh, Rondale Moore, I could pretty much play all those guys man-to-man. I feel like I don't really need a lot of zone help or safety help. Yep. So I feel like, I don't know, I think that might be something that you might have run into and not thought about. Um, but I, I don't know, like they might play zone, but I just feel like you're going to want to have guys spying Kyler especially not having a dominant wide receiver two or wide receiver one like they had last year definitely helps out a bit to be able to have those linebackers and everyone, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage. So like Drew Pressing, he comes from the Cleveland offense. And during his time in Cleveland, I mean, they ran the ball pretty well. We're talking about 2022 Nick Chubb. Yep. A lot of Drew Petsing's offense, Drew Petsing was actually a tight ends coach. So he was a tight ends coach in Cleveland before he got upgraded to offensive coordinator in Arizona. So you look at a Trey McBride, you see that he's the first tight end with over 100 yards and over 30 years in the franchise. And there is obviously a push within the organization to incorporate the tight ends more. Yeah, well, I mean, we also could see a big uptick in uh, our boy James Cook. Or uh, James, James Connor. Connor. Whoops. Yeah. Cause... My bad. Looking at some James Cook film right now. But yeah, James Connor, bro. I mean, you, you gave me some goosebumps talking about, uh, you know, you talked about it with Nick Chubb, uh, 2022 stats. Yeah. Whoops. So you got to see James do that. James, or I'm sorry, Drew Petsing is coming from the Cleveland Browns offense in 2022, in which they were a run heavy offense. Nick Chubb finished as third in the league in rushing in 2022. And you see that James Conner, before he got hurt, guys, in the first five, six weeks of the season, he was a top 10 running back for fantasy. He got a ton of opportunity. And now that you have a Kyler Murray who can stretch a defense, who can push guys off, or I guess away from the line of scrimmage, they have to play deeper to protect Kyler, who's actually pretty accurate. I think last year he was the second or third most accurate quarterback amongst qualifying quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, James Conner is someone who is going to eat. Trey McBride is someone who's going to eat. His offensive coordinator is a former fucking tight ends coach. He knows the game. He knows what tight ends need. And he has the ability to call plays to incorporate a position that he's felt so passionate about for X amount of years. Right. Trey McBride is going to continue to eat. That is not a fluke. And James Conner is going to be another guy that I am buying low on, especially first week back. He missed out on a couple touchdowns on purpose. Motherfuckers might not even know that they're back on his roster yet. Bro, he's so under the radar yeah. and me people didn't watch the Cardinals game, but James Conner had two clear runs into the end zone and he kneeled on both because it was in the final minute of the game and they wanted to run that clock completely out so that way Matt Prater, their kicker, could go ahead and close the game with zero seconds left on the clock. James Conner should have scored last week, and he's probably going to score a whole lot more. Yeah, that, that was forward. a team decision doing that. So, yeah, he's going to be rewarded. I could yes. see – I mean, yeah, I, I could see like a two-touchdown performance or something in the near future for sure for this cat. Does C.J. Stroud keep it up against the Cardinals defense? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's a weaker defense for sure. I mean, there's a reason why they're 2-8. and eight. Uh, Yeah, I think that they get torn apart. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, take this off of the Texans, who we know we like CJ Stroud. He's going to be a dog. Uh, Devin Singletary actually kind of went off 150 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, bro. How do you feel about your boy, uh, Damian Pierce in that backfield? Hey, bro. I mean, he was out this week, so I want to try to say, hey, like, let's see what happens once he's back. You know, the offense has definitely taken an uptick since he's gotten back, so or since he's been out. So, not necessarily the greatest feeling in the world to have, uh, you know, Damian Pierce in your lineup. But I still think that once he gets back, he's still going to see a definite role in uh, red zone situations and stuff like that, regardless of how you feel about it. So I I still think that you could probably sell him, but you're probably going to be selling him low at this point. If you bought Damian Pierce in the first four rounds and he's still on your team, are you selling him or do you just keep him for the rest of the season? Uh, probably just keeping them, bro. I mean, like, that's a lot of cap. And I mean, I'm not sure exactly who all is going to try to trade for him at this point. Um, who, who knows, man? I mean, he's probably going to see an uptick at some point. I mean, you talked about a sophomore slump, but I don't think that it's going to happen all the way. Uh, let's see what happens when he gets healthy and fully integrated into the system. That's running like a well-oiled machine. 
Damian Pierce or T. Higgins rest of the season, who are you taking? Uh, once they both get healthy, I'd probably say T. Higgins realistically, just because of uh, PPR, uh, you know, connotations. Okay, I like that. I probably agree because I think, well, I have T. Higgins, but I, I told you guys how I felt about Damian Pierce coming into the year. I mean, he's a day three pick. He was really talented year one, but he's in a regime now that didn't draft him. He hasn't produced. The guy they brought in in free agency has outproduced him so far. And at that point, you could like his talent, but, you know, I don't think he's going to be a part of this org for very much longer. Talk. Yeah, I mean, he only has two more years on his contract left, but but yeah, go ahead and... Michael Carter had a year on his contract left, a rookie contract as a day two pick, and he was released from the Jets today. What do you think about Izzy Abanaconda stepping in into the RB3 role for the Jets, and what do you think Michael Carter's future looks like? I uh, Izzy probably will get some workload next year. I think that they're pretty much sold on the Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall uh, train this year, I'd assume. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like overall, like as far as Michael Carter's future, uh, you could probably see him fall on a team like the Packers or someone who is a wide or a running back needy team who needs some talent. Uh, and he'll probably get some work. I mean, I just feel like right now he just fell into a few systems that aren't necessarily for him. Uh, but I do think that he has talent, especially as a PPR back. I mean, we talked about him almost not necessarily like a James Cook, but I mean, he had some, uh, he had some skills that were kind of similar. Where do you see Michael Carter signing? Like I said, possibly the Packers, but I'm not a fortune teller. I think Michael Carter in Cincinnati would be nice. Yeah, you could see it happen. I mean, you could also talk about, I mean, the Browns as well, if they think that they need a little bit more help outside of Pierce Strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but yeah, man, like there's a lot of different places, even the Vikings with Alexander Madison out with a concussion. Yeah. One of my streamers of the week actually is still on the jets and he plays tight end. Uh, but if we're covering streamers of the week, I want to talk about my boy, Tyler Conklin, who's at tight end Tyler Conklin, I think against the Buffalo bills, the team in which the jets will need to curate some kind of a passing attack. I think Tyler Conklin's going to go ahead and he's going to perform and he's going to put up decent numbers as a tight end streamer for you. So if you guys are a team that had, you know, Darren Waller, uh, if you guys are a team that has a tight end on the bye week, Conklin has been someone who's been pretty damn productive the last few weeks. He gets a lot of targets. Zach Wilson likes his short area targets. Tyler Conklin's a big guy with a bigger catch radius than a uh, you know, um, someone like a Randall Cobb, Miko formerly, bigger catch radius than the CJ Uzoma. And he's pretty talented after the catch compared to the rest of the tight end room. So last week, I mean, he had a pretty damn good game. I think this week he could have an even better game against the Buffalo Bills in which he might need to get into the end zone. The Jets didn't score a touchdown in 11 quarters, which is really bad. I personally think that Nathaniel Hackett in New York, that's been a fail. He's not good at coordinating football. And we've seen it in Denver. We've seen it in New York. This time last year when they had, you know, uh, Mike LaFleur, the brother of Matt LaFleur, Packers head coach, they still had Zach Wilson, Garrett Wilson, and they had 10 more touchdowns with Mike LaFleur at this point of the season than they do right now with, you know, Nathaniel Hackett. Dugo, I think that offense is kind of doomed, even if they get Rodgers back. But if you are a Garrett Wilson holder, what the fuck are you doing with this talk moving forward? I mean, I'm holding him, man. I'm holding Garrett Wilson because I draft him at an unreasonable rate because he had just got Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. I mean, who else are you going to be trading for? I just feel like at this point in the season, there's been too many people who we've kind of seen who they are at this point. And if you're trying to sell them at this point, you're just going to be selling them for a lot less than, you know, what you've gotten them for. I mean, that this that's just something that people need to realize at this point in the season. It's unless, cost. Yeah, like, as, unless you were able to sell them at, like, a week four, mm-hmm. week five, you know. I agree. Sorry, it's, it's week damn near 11 at this point, and people are who they are. The offenses are what they are. It, it's, it's a shame, but at the end of the day, folks, like, it's just one thing that you have to realize. And, I mean, if we're talking about people who you can – you know, sell or think about selling as well. I mean, we're talking about the Jets. They're playing the Bills this week. 
I mean, we just saw all this news about Stefan Diggs and all these, uh, you know, cryptic posts about Trayvon Diggs posting about, you know, how he thinks that Josh Allen's pretty much a piece of shit and all this other stuff about how he might not actually be who we think he is. But at the end of the day, like, I think that Stefan Diggs had posted something that he was, like, done or something. And so me as a Diggs holder, I have Diggs in a uh, league. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm actually, what the fuck? I'm kind of almost in panic mode right now because I'm like, should I try to trade this guy? Because, I mean, realistically, the guy is wide receiver four on the season. He just had one game where he had four points, which I think that's the least he's had all season. I, it's just one of those things where, like, I don't want to sell him, but, like, I'm just about thinking about it because. You know, like, I don't want him, like, sitting out and then, you know, the number one person on my team is sitting out. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that situation? And I don't know, man. Stefan Diggs, in my opinion, is not going to have a record-breaking game against the Jets this week and Sauce Gardner. So if the guy who owns Stefan Diggs in your league is kind of wary and he goes out this week and he has to play Sauce Gardner and he has another week in which he's scoring less than 15 points, so he's not finishing as maybe a top 10 receiver. Whoever owns Stephon Diggs in your league is probably going to be on their heels. It's going to feel like walking on nails with them. And they might be willing to go ahead and sell the guy for as much of a discount as you'll get all year. Like who though? Like if you're going to try to go like a one for one, like do you have anyone in mind that you think would be like a good comp to get him for? Or Because uh, in my mind, I, I just, I don't have anyone that comes to mind right away. I think that right now, Brees Hall is an option. So if you have a Brees Hall and Stephon Diggs becomes available, I think that both those guys have the potential to score a lot of points. But give me the receiver who's attached to a great quarterback as opposed to the running back who's attached to Zach Wilson. I think that Stephon Diggs is going to find himself in more scoring situations compared to someone like a Brees Hall. So I would be willing to trade Brees Hall for Stephon Diggs 1v1 if that's available. Maybe the guy who has to find wants to run it back, and maybe I need a wide receiver. Yeah. You know? Uh, moving forward, I mean, ideally, if I'm trading Stephon Diggs, I'm looking to get someone of a different positional value because I think wide receiver to wide receiver, that's a lot harder, right? Like, you're not going to get an Amon Ra. You're not going to get a Devontae Adams. You might get a Devontae Adams, actually. But you really have to kind of aim low almost at receivers. So you're talking about Stephon Diggs. The people that you're going to get offered for Stephon Diggs is going to be like Puka Nakua, right? Like it's going to be some guy like a Cooper Cup who's attached to Matt Stafford that's always in and out of, you know, lineups. It's going to be someone like a Jordan Addison and another player. You know, like it's almost like if you want 1v1 value, you're looking for like a Brees Hall type of guy. Funny enough, the Bills and the Jets both play each other this week. But, you know, if I'm getting off of uh, Stephon Diggs, then... Yeah, I doubt I do that if I'm a Diggs owner. I mean, that's a running back who's 10 or 10, you know, position points behind mine pretty much. And I'm losing out on a lot of PPR. Yeah. I doubt I do that. The speed round for you, too, because I want to go ahead and talk about some matchups that maybe don't have as many fantasy players. All right. Uh, we just talked about Amon Ross St. Brown. I want to talk about the Lions versus the Bears. Are there any surprise plays in that matchup? And then are there any guys that you're locked in for 15 or more points? Uh, I'd probably say Deontay Foreman's probably a go-ahead. Uh, I believe Tyreek uh, – or I'm sorry. I, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I believe they do – have a running back coming back this week though i their name is blank in my little herbert Rashawn johnson yeah Khalil herbert i believe is possibly coming off of ir this week uh i'm not sure if that's been released yet or not but it's getting close uh i'd still stand with uh deontay foreman though so uh otherwise justin fields i'm not really necessarily worried about him all that much i'm assuming he'll probably be out um but yeah man what about you do you have any surprises this week I like Jerry Goff and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown plays his brother Equinemia St. Brown on the Bears this week. Yeah. So I think uh, the big brother will go out there and kind of show what he can do. I mean, not the first time that's happened. Not the first time. And I think that this is a game that, you know, the Lions just scored 40-plus points against the Chargers defense last week with, uh, you know, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack and all those guys. Yeah. I think that the Bears are going to be, you know, 
easy cake for him. And Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery gets their rushes. Yeah. I'm not really looking forward to starting any Bears. But if I have the Lions defense, I think the Lions defense is easily a top five defense this week. Mark yeah, my words I, on that. I'd agree with that. Chargers, Packers. Uh, Herbert's going to go off, I believe. Uh, let's hope to God that Aaron Jones can pop off. We need some Aaron Jones stock, folks. Uh, I'm assuming Eckler probably gets two tutties. Um, and then surprise pick at uh, wide receiver because we already know uh, Keenan Allen, but I like Jalen Guyton this week, folks. Jalen Guyton touchdown, let me call it. Any reason why you like him against the Packers DBs this week? Uh, I mean, we've talked about it before. Packers DBs are just kind of shorthanded. Uh, I believe that just playing in the slot, Jalen Guyton's just going to find some open opportunities. Uh, you have another large receiver with Quentin Johnston probably playing the other uh, outside receiver spot. So you can just find some pretty easy holes within the Packers. Jalen Guyton touchdown, let me call it. Who scores more points between Austin Eckler for the Chargers and Jordan Love, quarterback for the Packers? Eckler. You think Eckler outscores the quarterback for the Packers, Jordan yeah. Love? Yeah, yeah. You think he has a big game this week? Because, uh, I mean, you know, the Packers are a pretty loose defense. They play a lot of zone coverage, especially on third down. That does seem like a recipe for Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield to go out there and get some easy catches. Well, it's not just that. I just think that overall, I think that the Chargers are a better team and they just score more points. That's the one thing that the Packers struggle to do. And so the Chargers might give up points, but I, I mean, the Packers just find ways to not score. So give me the Chargers. Do you have any Packer receivers in your top 30 for fantasy this week? Uh. Let me say that Dubs probably gets a tardy, so if you're looking for a tardy spot, give me Romeo. Okay. Uh, Moving forward, we got Raiders and Dolphins, where Devin Achan is going to be returning to the lineup. Dev- has that been announced yet, or has yes. he just... I believe they just opened up his practice window. I don't think it's been announced that he's going to be playing, though. They opened up his practice window. So those are two huge things. Like They are seen, different. We've yeah. seen people who have yeah. been put on that he haven't came back. Okay, hypothetically, if he does he, he, play. He could play, but, I mean, I could also go out there and play, too, since I wasn't on IR. Okay. okay, okay. Now you're just being difficult. Now you're just being fucking difficult. If he plays, is Devin A. Chain uh RB1 or RB2 candidate for you? Yeah, I'm definitely at least, like, I haven't had him in my lineup the whole time, so, I mean, unless I have someone on a bye, I'm at least throwing him in my flex for sure. Okay. And Raheem Mostert, does he take a downgrade with the potential return of a Devon Achan? I don't think so. I mean, we've kind of seen those two as a one-two punch, even with Achan healthy. So I don't really see much of a downturn in Raheem Mostert. Okay. And Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, a part of a Raiders team that's gone 2-0 and the last two weeks. They've tried to integrate more, you know, Devontae Adams. But Josh Jacobs has had a pretty nice two weeks. He finishes RB2 actually against the uh, New York Giants and against a great Jets defense. He still was RB2. Um, moving forward, I mean, he gets Miami this week. They could get outscored. Is he a startable option for you as an RB1 or an RB2? Yeah, 100%. I, this team's going to need to establish a ground game, whatever costs. Uh, so, yeah, definitely going to have some Josh Jacobs stock. Devontae uh, Adams, I think that they're going to keep trying to pepper him. Let's see what happens, though. I mean, it's one of those things to where they have Jalen Ramsey back. Who knows if they're going to just stick him on him the whole time or what's going to happen. But I would say that Devontae Adams probably ends up with a touchdown at the end of this game, though. Antonio Pierce is a smart coach, and he's going to have to toss it up a lot, and I think he knows that. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell has no problem targeting Devontae Adams. The last two weeks, Devontae Adams has 20 targets. But respectfully, he hasn't scored over 11 and a half like fantasy points since week three against Pittsburgh. Devontae Adams, he's had a really rough season this year, man. Sure he has, has. He has one game out of 10. One out of 10 games, he has been the wide receiver. Uh, a wide receiver one. Fuck the wide receiver one. He has one out of 10 games in which he is a top 10 wide receiver. Yeah. What, what, what do you do with the stock moving forward if you own him? And let's say the trade deadline is coming up in your league soon. I mean, if you can get off them, go ahead and try. But, I mean, we've already established this high. Like, you're selling these people at almost pennies on the dollar. Like what their value is today. Yeah, you're going to be selling them for, like, a wide receiver 30 or someone or someone who's, like, a wide receiver 40 who might be on the come up. 
Like these are just like the situations that you're put into at this point. I don't really think that you're going to be able to go out and try to sell them for like a Keenan Allen or something like that. Like, it's just, it kind of is what it is. Like maybe try to go out there and sell them for, you know, like a Hollywood Brown, if you have a lot of upside and what you think Kyler Murray can do in that situation. But I mean, dog, like you're, there's not a lot that people are really going to want to trade for other than, you know, like I said, like pennies on a dollar type shit that you're going to think that's outrageous. Yeah. Like it's unwarranted. It's a bad trade. It doesn't paint you in the best light. The person who offers you a bullshit trade for Devontae Adams, you almost take offense to. Exactly. Right. So I completely understand that. Now, moving forward, I mean, some of the trades that I've seen for Devontae Adams over the last couple of weeks and, you know, Devontae Adams is a great athlete, but he has been having a less than year. He's still fifth overall in target rate amongst wide receivers, and he's third overall in terms of targets. If you want to talk efficiency, hasn't really been there. His target separation has actually decreased, which is more indicative of his actual ability to release off the line of scrimmage and get away from defenders. And, you know, even things like his juke rate, right? Like he's 15th in the NFL, but that's a number that you would expect to see a little bit higher, especially with the amount of targets that he gets and the amount of opportunities he gets, you know, against outside linebackers and guys in the middle of the uh, middle of the field. Devontae Adams, man, he's a he's a tough guy to project moving forward because Aiden O'Connell is going to force him the targets. But because Aiden O'Connell is Aiden O'Connell, it's going to be short, like death of target. It's going to be less than 10 yards. Right. So you look at a Devontae Adams moving forward and yes, you know, he'll he'll get the targets and that's cool. It doesn't matter about targets. I care about catches. It's, it's production. And he has not had that production. He hasn't been a wide receiver one since week two of the NFL season. Long story less long. You look at his yards per catch and it's decreased to 11 and a half yards per catch compared to where he was his first year with the Raiders at 15.1. He's decreased by four yards per catch and he's a target guy. Right. So you extrapolate that over 100 catches, which is where we would think that he would land. And you're talking about a 400 yard difference in overall production for the course of the year. He is not a wide receiver one for me moving forward. And some of the trades that I've seen him involved in include guys like Jordan Addison and Travis Kelsey. I've seen guys trade Jordan Addison and Travis Kelsey for Devontae Adams and Travis Etienne. I've seen people trade Devontae Adams for Rashad White straight up 1v1. Rashad White's another guy who you kind of talked about in the offseason that's been popping off because of his receptions. Yep. But I've also seen motherfuckers trade Devontae Adams for DK Metcalf. Who are you taking in that trade, Devontae Adams for DK Metcalf? Uh, probably DK just because there's a more competent uh, quarterback there. Offense, team? I mean, yeah, there's just a lot more going on there. So I would definitely go DK in that situation if I'm going to go one for one. So is there something to look out for? If you have Devontae Adams and you're making a real Shiva run, I don't think you can rely on him to come through. I think at this point, you know he's going to give you big games, but uh, moving forward, I have no problem moving off of him. Yeah. And talking about just the, you know, the few last teams available this year or this week, uh, the Washington Commanders and the New York Giants play. Sam Howell's been a dog. He's a top five quarterback. Do you think that continues against the uh, 100%. Giants? 100%. Yeah, yeah. I No question. I think... Uh, for the three wide receivers that they have, uh, Scary Terry, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, they'll probably all three produce pretty mightily this week. Uh, Brian Robinson and Tal- Antonio Gibson's will probably pop off as well. Uh, one thing that people don't necessarily note is Washington Commanders are currently the 32nd defense in the NFL. So, you know, you might see Jalen Hyatt or someone like that pop off for a super long catch touchdown combo this week. So, if you need some uh, sleepers, uh, you might want to look out for the Giants, but obviously it's Tommy DeVito as quarterback, so don't be holding your breath. I like Jahan Dotson this week. Uh, the Giants are one of the league leaders in blitz percentage, meaning that they typically just go after the quarterback. That's going to be a lot of one-on-one man coverage. I think Terry McLaurin could have a big week, but because Jahan Dotson is the deep threat, I think he catches a big pass this week. Uh, moving forward, Titans and Jaguars. I think the Jaguars bounce back. They should win this game. We know Will Levis has struggled the last two weeks. He's kind of looked not like a rookie, like a rookie. He hasn't looked like he did in his first game in which he had four touchdowns. I think that the Jaguars win this game. I see Calvin Ridley getting more involved. I see Travis Etienne make more plays happen. Will Levis is obviously going to get more completions to DeAndre Hopkins because that's what Hopkins deserves. Yeah. 
But I think that the Jaguars win this game and damn, I wouldn't say a blowout, but I think they win by double digits. And Will Levis has another game in which he maybe doesn't struggle, but it's far away from that four touchdown game we saw from him. I could see it be kind of a struggle. I think that they have a pretty good blitz defense on the Jaguars on uh, this offensive line just isn't there quite yet. So I could see it be kind of a struggle. You're right. I could see some pretty decent D hop passes. Um, but end of the day, I think it's going to be a struggle. Uh, I- I'm going to keep saying that. Unfortunately, I think that Derek Henry is going to get some really good touches though. He typically goes off against the Jaguars. I feel like, so I would like to see him get another 20 burger. Um, and then lastly, I mean, everyone from the Jaguars who you think is going to pop off will pop off, I believe. But I think that we're going to see a tank Bigsby tutty this week, folks. That's a hard call. I want to see a tank Bigsby tutty. I need it in my soul dog. I've been waiting a long time to see another one since I believe like week one or some shit. Uh, but that leads me into one of my other favorite running backs. Christian McCaffrey going against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. Yes, he is. One of the harder defenses in the NFL, I'd say, as far as a run defense uh, standard. Uh, I think he's probably going to still end up being a, a running back five, top running back this week. Uh, how do you think that he ends up? Do you have anyone on the 49ers that you think might be a sleeper? I like Brandon Ayuk. I think that Tampa Bay has probably one of the better front sevens in the NFL, even though they aren't, you know, like a perennially elite team. They don't have Tom Brady anymore, so we kind of don't look at them the same. But their front seven with those linebackers is pretty damn good, and I think that they're going to go ahead and shut down Christian McCaffrey. And I think Todd Bowles and that uh, coaching staff is going to force the Niners to beat them with the receivers. So this is a game where I think that Todd Bowles and that staff, once again, will blitz them heavy. And that's going to force Brandon Ayuk, who's one of the best pass catchers against man coverage. He's going to get a lot of opportunities 1v1 with those DBs. And I think that he burns a couple of them for big catches. This could, if there's any week Brandon Ayuk gets a touchdown, this is a highly likely week because of the amount of blitzes I think that he sees. But if I'm Rashad White, I'm looking forward to this game because this is a game in which the Niners should get up on our team and I should get a lot of receptions. Chris Godwin has been underwhelming this year, but Mike Evans should also see some touches. Yep. Uh, you know, deep threat, a guy who can make up a lot of yardage, who can get you cheap points. Him against the San Francisco defense should work. Kate Auden, tight ends for the Buccaneers are non-playables this week for me. Fred Warmer, Fred Warner is great. And pass coverage. He's mobile. He's agile. And he's probably going to shut you the fuck down. So I'm not playing any of my tight ends against Fred Warner this week if I have Buccaneers tight ends. Yep. But moving forward, I think that this is a game in which Brandon Ayuk, Mike Evans, all those deep threat good against man coverage receivers, they should see a great week this week, Dugo. Definitely should. And I'm starting those guys without hesitation. Moving forward. Sunday afternoon game is the Rams and the Seahawks. Yeah. Gino, Rams. Any, uh, do you like JSN moving forward? He was supposed to be the wide receiver one for rookies, and he has been far from that. Well, I mean, I don't know if we necessarily thought he was going to be the complete one going to a team that had, you know, uh, established one, two already. I don't know if we ultimately thought he was going to be the one when, you know, we had a Zay Flowers go to the Baltimore Ravens. But, I digress. Uh, I do like JSN going forward. I really do. I think that he's been getting involved a lot more lately. Uh, We obviously saw him get a... I mean, the last four games, he's had 14 points, 11 points, 9 points, and then 7 points, which isn't the greatest. But I think that it's a really good run for what he's been doing. I mean, he was around, like, uh, wide receiver 90 or something a few weeks ago. He's currently wide receiver 54, so, I mean... At least for a rookie, that's at least somewhat respectable. So I like him going forward a lot, man. And, I mean, he has some teams going forward where I think that they're going to probably be leaning on him a little bit more just because he's been integrated into this offense fully now. And, you know, I think that they're just going to expect him to produce a little bit more. I like JSN long term, but I don't like him as a top five option out of this rookie class for wide receivers. I think that's bullshit. I like Jordan Addison more. I like Puka Nakua more. I like Zay Flowers more. 
I like Rasheed Rice more. And I think JSN fits in that territory. He He's probably better than QJ. He's probably better than Marvin Mims. I don't know if he's more explosive and if he's going to score more fantasy points than Tank Dell. That's my main hangup is Tank Dell. Because if I have Puka Nakua, Jordan Addison, if I have Rasheed Rice, if I have Zay Flowers ahead of JSN, maybe JSN beats out Zay Flowers. But when you add Tank Dell, who's explosive, who has the best quarterback in this rookie draft, who was drafted by the quarterback in the rookie draft, who apparently told the you know Texans GM to go out and get Tank Dell, like this could be Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek. So if that ends up coming to the forefront and Tank Dell outperforms his draft cap, can I have JSN as a top five wide receiver for the next three, five years over a Puka, over a Jordan Addison, over Rasheed Rice, who might be wide receiver one for Patrick Mahomes, over Tank Dell, who's going to be wide receiver one for the Houston Texans. And I just want to know what JSN would have done on the Rams if he was there instead of. But he's not. Like, it's not a what if, could have, should have situation. Okay. Well, do you think that Cooper Cups is ultimately going to go somewhere? Like, he didn't sign a huge contract. And Puka's seen as many targets with Cooper Cup as he did without. He's seen, he's seen as many. As many, which is a lot. He leads the wide okay. receivers. He, he leads rookie wide receivers in targets. Oh yeah, I I would imagine when you're literally the only target on a team for how many weeks, and then the wide receiver one comes back, and you're still a good wide receiver too. I get that, but all I'm saying is that I just think that once uh, Tyler Lockett leaves the Seahawks, I definitely think that JSN is definitely going to be a better target. That's all I'm saying. Like I'm sorry that he has to eat through four or five other people along with fucking running backs as well. Like it's. It's just it's a huge problem for targets on the Seahawks. And then you look at the Rams, and you're like, oh, like, Puka and cool. This is like, yeah, cool. But, like, I mean, there's just a lot of opportunity there. And within a couple of years, I think that's going to, you know, swell out a little bit less. And you're going to see JSN pop off and be what he's supposed to be. If the targets regress, yes. But right now I got Puka over JSN. Okay, but you're also thinking that they're not going to draft another wide receiver in the second or third round that could possibly overtake Puka Nakua. But I mean, sure, you can. I don't think I don't think Cooper Cup has that much time left. I think he has maybe two more years on the LA Rams. Puka Nakua has at least four. I mean, he has a four-year contract, so we'll see if he resigns. Cooper Cup might have next year on the Rams, and after that, I can't promise anything. Okay, but you're also. I, I don't want to talk about fucking going forward because it, we, we can it's going to be a snow. It's going to be a snowball. You can see someone get drafted in the first round in the next couple of years if something happens. That's all I'm going to say. I digress. Let's get off these fucking rookie wide receivers. I just think Puka Nakua. Jackson I don't Puka give Nikola. a fuck about the rookie wide receivers going forward right now. That's all I'm going to say. I don't care. We got a lot of other teams we could talk about. I don't care about JSN compared to Puka Nakua going forward for the next five years. I could care less about that right now. Let me ask you, is he a top five rookie wide receiver before you move forward, JSN? Yes, I've told you that. Okay. All I want to know. All I want to know. We'll end it at that. Last couple games. We got a Monday night game, and it's a big game. And it looks like we have a lot of fantasy relevant players in that. Uh, so within the Monday night NFL game, all right, and we got Vikings Broncos. We got Josh Dobbs, new quarterback for the Vikings. He's playing, been dank playing Russell Wilson. Um, Alexander Madison got a concussion last week. We know that concussions typically last more than a week. So Ty Chandler has been a hot topic on the waiver wires for the past couple of days. Is Ty Chandler someone who is startable in your opinion uh, going into Week Eleven against? Hundred percent, the Broncos. Hundred percent, yeah. I I think that obviously they had brought bit, uh, brought back another uh, guy. I forgot his name. I know he was just on the Rams, I believe, but they had brought back another guy from the pack or onto their practice squad. But this week going forward, I think Ty Chandler is going to be that guy. He's going to be the workhorse. I think that we might see a little bit of the future Vikings here a little bit because I don't think Alexander Madison's t- necessarily the future. I think Ty Chandler is. So Ty Chandler this week. I like him a lot. I think he's going to get a touchdown. He's going to produce, folks. I, I think that he's going to be big this week. Okay. Is he somebody that you're buying in Dynasty Leagues? I mean, if I could get my hands on him, I've been trying to. It's just been a few times now to where when I go to get him, it's just 
I forget about them or there's someone on my team I don't want to drop, but I definitely would go grab them in Dynasty Leagues for sure. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this. Javante Williams is someone who's been breaking out almost for the Denver Broncos, and he plays a game in which either of these teams could take the win. Me personally, I think it's going to be the Vikings, but Javante Williams just came off of a really big game against the Buffalo. Well, maybe not a big game, but... um. It was better than what we've seen. I guess over the past 19 points, he ended his RB6, 21 carries for 79 yards, 4 for 4 on targets and catches. Had a touchdown in the reception game. Do you think he continues his strong streak of performances against the Minnesota Vikings, who are an underrated defense? I would probably say yeah. I mean, like, this Broncos defense just has been rolling a little bit better lately. So I think that especially their run game, who... If you look at this past week, they were spotlighted. They were huge for this team. Uh, Quinn Miners, who he went to UW-Whitewater, shout out. Uh, he was absolutely amazing for this team. I really like the running backs going forward. I have Javante Williams in a couple of leagues, and I hope that he can continue to pop off. Uh, one guy that I am a little bit questioned about, though, just because we haven't necessarily seen him with this quarterback, uh, with this wide receiver shadowing him, but, you know, Jordan Addison with uh, Justin Jefferson coming back. Do you think that he continues a strong streak, or what do you think happens with J.A.? I would like him a lot this week if Jordan was the wide receiver, too, and Justin Jefferson came back, and Justin Jefferson got Patrick Sertain okay. on him. If Justin Jefferson is going to be out, I'm not as big on Jordan Addison because I think that Sertain would shut him down. But if Justin Jefferson is back, J.A. is the wide receiver, too. I think that he could go out there and serve against the uh, Denver Broncos. He's someone who's always been great in terms of man coverage. He's great at separating. You know, Josh Dobbs has picked up this offense like cake. It's been easy for him, yeah. almost seemingly. And Josh Dobbs, I mean, he makes the right decision, but he also rushes a lot. And one benefit that Jordan Addison had was that Kirk Cousins was pretty stable in the pocket. And he kind of made the right reads and the right throws. And, you know, he distributed the ball well. Josh Dobbs is a smart quarterback and he's, you know, effective. But he's not the sit-in-the-pocket type of guy that Kirk Cousins was. Yeah, we'll have to see these guys make a lot more off-scheduled, you know, like catches and stuff like that. It's going to be a lot more off-scheduled plays for sure. Yeah, like the last two weeks, he's seen seven targets in both of the two weeks. But his yards per catch have, uh, you know, they've kind of somewhat decreased. So we hope that Josh Dobbs can, you know, find him a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, TJ Hawkinson has been a guy who has benefited. He's currently the tight end one. Tight end one. Tight end one. TJ Hawkinson is. With Josh Dobbs, with Kirk Cousins, don't matter. He had 27 points last week against the New Orleans Saints, who have good linebackers, and this week he gets the Denver Broncos. He's a lock and low tight end one moving forward. He is non-tradable. He's everything you hope Travis Kelsey would be every year. It's a battle between him and Kelsey for tight end one, and I would bet money that one of those two will end as the leader. But speaking of Travis Kelsey, the final game of the week is Monday night. Chiefs versus Eagles versus Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles. And Travis Kelsey plays a game in which the uh, Chiefs are probably going to want to score a lot of points to go. Travis Kelsey against the Eagles plays his brother. What do you think Travis does? What do you think Mahomes does? Shit, who do you think wins this game? Yeah, uh, so a lot there. Um, I think that Travis Kelsey pops off, especially, you know, it's going to be, I believe, a home game for them. So, you know, he's going to have bragging rights against Jason coming into town. Jason might even stay at Travis's crib. Who knows? You know, then, you know, he might put some laxatives in Jason's coffee in the morning, some shit like that. Who knows what happens between those motherfuckers? But uh, I think end of the game, Eagles are going to win this shit. It's going to be what the Super Bowl should have been. Uh, this is what Jalen Hurts has been waiting for all year. Jalen Hurts is going to have his best game of the year coming off of that bye week, giving that knee a little bit rest. Uh, I think it's going to be amazing, man. It's going to be a hell of a game. Jalen Hurts. Uh, like I said, man, I think it's going to be his best performance of the year. Andy Reid's always been a great coach off the bye, but both these teams are coming off byes. Right, and I think if you have to give me, I, I think the one thing that differentiates these teams are the defenses, and I think the Eagles are far and away the better defense. Jalen Hurts is a must draft every year, dude. 
He's QB two right now. He doesn't have a game since week one in which he's finished less than QB ten. Yeah, it's it's pretty nice. He's amazing, bro. And you say what you want to say about the new offensive coordinator and them trying to find their identity. Bro, Jalen Hurts has finished no lower than QB9 since week two of the season. Yep. And we're talking about going into week 11 against yep. the Kansas City Chiefs. This game, I think that Travis Kelce is going to be a main component. He's going to get forced targets. Rasheed Rice is finally going to be able to show what he can do. I think the Eagles do win this game, though. And I think Jalen Hurts has a pop-off game. DeAndre Swift is going to go ahead and keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. And I think this Eagles team, after losing in the Super Bowl, is going to want their revenge. Uh, so I see the Eagles winning this game. If I could take plus 1.5 for the Eagles, I'm hitting that immediately. And Jalen Hurts, yeah, man. I think he has another game in which he's a top 12 quarterback. Maybe not top 10, but he has a big game against uh, Patrick Mahomes in which he has to keep up. And ultimately, that team wins. I just think that we're going to see a situation where Jalen Hurts gets like two of those uh, uh, QB sneak touchdowns, the brotherly shove touchdowns. Yep. And so I just think that's why he's going to be more likely top 10 this week. Yep. Those shits have been a hack, bro. Have been, bro. They've been a hack. And like over the past year, he has seven rushing touchdowns in 10 weeks. Yeah. He gets one every week. Yeah. Just a free Russian touchdown, two I, yards. I think the last two years since it's been integrated, I think he has like 20 or something. He had 13 last year, and he's on pace to hit another 13 or 14 Russian touchdowns off that yep. this year. So. Yep. Another game that's big. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys for tapping in. My name is Ja. Hey, you know us do go over here. Appreciate y'all tapping in with those head tops. Every week, we will be here with new fantasy tips, tricks, and advice. So make sure you guys follow us below. Uh, but outside of that, we hope you guys have an astonishing week 11. We hope you guys make the playoffs. We wish you nothing but the best of luck. Happy fishing. And until we meet again, peace.